staring into the abyss. The world steps back. But is it too soon? Or is it soon enough? Folks, these are tough times. Hey, welcome to Tough Times with Lou Young here on WRCR, WRCR.com. Uh, he said, is it too soon? Of course it's not too soon. He just said that. I don't know. Why did he say that? It's, is it soon enough is what he meant to say. And uh, yeah, uh, uh, we, you know, we were staring into the abyss with this last election, and uh, it looked like uh, we uh, did not take that step to uh, erase a democracy. And uh, at least we're holding things in balance a little bit. And uh, the big news, the big news, as far as I'm concerned, is that that massive $4.3 billion state bond um, uh, issue for the environment uh, passed uh, with with bipartisan 70 percent bipartisan support. So, um, you know, it's something we can agree on, folks, right. the climate, because if we don't fix this, nothing else matters because uh, we won't be here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hate to be hate to be a doomer. They say I'm a doomer. You know. <laughs> anyway, so now the, it, the, it's passed. All right, mm-hmm. it's passed. So what are we, what are we gonna what are we gonna do with the money? Now the the, the way this works is the state borrows the money. Mm-hmm. And has it for us. It's already budgeted. It's not going to be an increase in taxes right. uh, from where, where it's they in the budget already. for 2023, right? Yeah, uh, and um, and then they're going to uh, dole it out to the local communities who will apply for grants, mm-hmm. and uh, people will, you know, will, are already working on that. Mm-hmm. Among the people who work on it <laughs> are the village of Mamernik. Yeah, they the Mayor Tom Murphy. Mayor Murphy, how are you, sir? Hi, Lou. Thanks for having me on, pal. All right, good. Good to hear you. All right, I'm I'm having a little trouble hearing you. Are you? Uh, I turned him up. Okay, good. You turned him up a little bit. Will turned you. So I'm here with Will Hennessy. Hi, uh, Will. Say hi to the mayor. Good, good afternoon, mayor. Hello, and George Patanovic, uh, uh, and uh, we're uh, hello, mayor. We're we're here in the in the in the massive uh, WRCR uh, broadcast complex, uh, overlooking the um, the uh, Metroplex here, the Rockland Metroplex. And uh, so, it was, what, what are you going to do? What, what what are you going to do with the money you get? And what are you going to ask for? And what do you want to do, mayor? Because you go, you you know, um, uh, full disclosure, I work with Tom. Uh, on the on the uh, board of trustees in America. So what? To, to, so fill us in. What what, what are we going to go for there? Oh, Lou, I think you're right. It's what we are going to do. Uh, you, know, uh, you, me, Lou, and Manny Rawlings, uh, the board of trustees. I think I think a uh, we we have in the village of Mamaroneck uh, a lot of uh, aging infrastructure, and part of that aging infrastructure is our sewer network. And uh, we, we can apply for grants to renew our sewer network because, as you know, Lou, we live on the Long Island Sound, and uh, a, a, uh, a leaky and uh, overflowing sewer system mm-hmm. uh, hurts the environment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, hopefully, we can get help with that. But I think on, on other levels, uh, you know, when, when we're facing global warming, we could use that money to buy uh, charging stations. Mm-hmm. And Lou, I know you've been a big proponent of solar power. Mm-hmm. Uh, rightfully so. I, I think that there are opportunities in this community to uh, enhance solar power and uh, you know uh, help our community uh, with 
EV charges for cars. <clears throat> you know, because in the future, there's going to be a lot more cars that are going to need mm-hmm. uh, charging stations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you know, some of the major manufacturers are saying that by 2035, they're no longer going to be producing uh, cars that run on petroleum and uh, relying totally on uh, electricity. So we have to prepare for that uh, that change, mm-hmm. and and uh, that that's going to be one of the things that help us in the future to uh, not reach a cataclysmic uh, global warming threshold. And, and and we've got the flood issue also. Now you, you know people. Um, uh, I you know I don't need to tell you. But people who are listening to the program will remember that Marinick was the uh, the uh, uh, <laughs> reluctant poster child for flooding uh, after Hurricane Ida. We had uh, we, we got hammered, and uh, so um, by the waters. And uh, so we have uh, some federal projects uh, starting up now. We're doing our own, but we we've, we've got additional things we can do, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. And uh, there, there have been some ideas put forth uh, about dredging other areas and raising dams. And uh, you know, just other, other, you know, flood mitigation projects that you know will need engineering and betting, uh, but we could use some of the money toward that. And uh, you know, like you said, we have the Army Corps of Engineers, with the help of God, uh, starting next year, uh, putting in uh, you know, beginnings of the plan that we've been waiting for for God knows how long, you know, generations and generations, but it's finally coming to fruition. Uh, so we have that, and then we have to, you know, that, that's kind of the, the cornerstone of our flood mitigation, but we have to build on top of that. Uh, you know, without that cornerstone, we really have nothing, but with it, we have a chance to, you know, keep the community safe uh, through that work and through other work that we you know, might be able to find would be beneficial to our are long-suffering residents. And a lot of people, you know, when, when they had referred to the flooding, the re- repeated flooding that had happened over the years, kind of uh, uh, speak about it like it's inevitable. I mean, um, my position, and you know this, Tom, uh, is that it's not inevitable. It's not, uh, it's not a constant. It is really a, a variable. And, uh, and that we can, we can, it's within our power to neutralize it if we do the right things. I mean, uh, so uh, I want to, uh, I want to use that money for that. That's that's it. You know. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's definitely. Uh, you know, if we, we find projects that uh, would be really effective. I think that's a great use for it. You know, and I, I think uh, we can't have the center of town uh, continually flood. It, it, it'll leave it. Uh, deserted and barren, mm-hmm. and that it's really not fair to the people who have lived down there for generations. Uh, this is just getting worse. We're getting uh, what, what used to be referred to as a hundred-year storm mm-hmm. every five years. And okay. and that's that's climate change. Let's. Uh, I'm going to um, uh, ask you to fire up your imagination, uh, Mr. Mayor, and let's get up with us uh, and walk over to the big machine. Here we go. Uh, stretch our legs a little bit. That door, and all right, we're looking over. COP 27 is in uh, Sharm El Sheikh, Egypt. We uh, train the um, the uh, instruments over that way, and the mayor, the mayor, the mayor's on the line. But the president spoke to them um, uh, yesterday and said uh, that you know, essentially, we're back. We've uh, we're rejoining uh, these uh, these agreements, and uh, he apologized for pulling out under the previous administration. 
Um, and uh, I'm going to play for you here a little uh, a little soundbite of the sentiment that uh, is on the ground in Sharm El Sheikh, which is a resort on the Red Sea in Egypt, and what people are asking of us and the other global leaders. And let's uh, listen together. We need a sense of agency. It's not fair for the people to be moving from wherever they are, meeting at such a big place, and then walk out without anything else. People have got high expectations back home. They want us to make progress. We're here because of the people that can't manage to be here. And we hope that the rich and industrialized countries can really be fair, especially U.S. and China. We're looking forward to them working together and make sure that we should make progress and reduce the emissions that we are emitting at the moment, and they should raise their ambitions. Money should come on the table, and that money should be accessible to the civil society government so that we can implement different projects that can build the resilience of our people. There you go. So who are the bad guys? According to the rest of the world, the bad guys are the U.S. and China. And uh, and we, you know, we are on opposite sides of a, a global competition, but, um, you know, they see us in the same light, and we got to do something. And uh, the president said uh, it's a, a duty and responsibility of global leadership. I'm quoting him now. Countries that are in a position to help should be supporting developing countries so they can make decisions, uh, decisive climate decisions. We're racing forward to do our part to avert the climate hell that the U.N., Secretary General is passionately warned about earlier this week. And uh, that's it. I mean, you know, climate hell uh, means uh, millions and millions and tens of millions of people will perish. And then it'll spark a, uh, a uh, global migration that will uh, engulf many of, uh, of the countries if we do not stem it. Um, what, what's, your, what's your reaction to all that that's going on over there, Mayor? Well, you know, I... I I have to have some sympathy for the developing economies uh, because, you know, they're just kind of uh, catching up in some ways with, you know, modernity. And, you know, we have been and uh, you know, spewing, spewing uh, pollution in the air for the you know, last hundred years. And, you know, we, we, we have been a driver of this. Us, uh Europe, especially, you know, the United Kingdom, where, you know, the Industrial Revolution began. Uh, you know, it's so I can understand the frustration in some of these other countries uh, that, you know, these billions of tons of carbon that have already been contributed to the atmosphere. Uh, and, you know, they, they feel like we should have a greater responsibility in cleaning up that mess. And it's a hard argument to refute, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but also, helping clean up that mess helps us, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it, it helps our children, it helps our grandchildren, because you know we we, we can't be an island unto ourselves here. Yeah. Uh, even if if we stopped and became glo- uh, you know carbon neutral uh, in five years, the damage that we did is damage. Yeah, I mean, uh, of the we have the highest level of uh, CO two in the atmosphere now in human history. And half of that carbon, uh, according to the uh, the measurements, 
has been put there in the last 30 years. So this is a, it's, it's just too fast. It's not saying that it's never been that high before, but you can't change it that quickly without the consequences. Um, well, to remind our uh, listeners, we're talking to Mayor Tom Murphy, the mayor of the village of Mamaroneck in Westchester County, and on the line also, uh, Peter McCart, who is uh, the... Um, Director of Sustainability and Conservation for the County of Westchester, the entire county. Hi, Peter. How are you? I'm doing doing good, Lou. It's good to um, good to hear my good friend Tom Murphy too. And uh, he, he, you know, uh, uh, elections have consequences, and uh, we're very fortunate to to be here in uh, in uh, Westchester and uh, in New York State, where our leaders uh, get it. Quite frankly, and uh, need we need to know that we need to do everything we can now we, uh, to mitigate climate change. Before probably you you came on and, and, and heard us, we were talking about the uh, bond uh, issue yep. passing, and uh, George was saying it was seventy percent. It was seventy percent uh, in favor of it, and thirty yep. percent against. So it was a quite a quite a nice uh, turnout, I think. And, and we were mentioning bipartisan, I'm sure, because you know seventy percent means uh, it was not a political issue. So let, let me ask both you gentlemen: is uh, is climate the thing that can unite us, uh, and uh, you know, uh, across the uh, the partisan divide. Well, if I can go first, I think you know, on, on this bond act, the way it was really promoted and pushed and uh, advocated for from a you know a large group of, of people, I was a part of that, of course, um, is the fact that we pushed it as clean air and clean water. Anybody and everybody can get behind clean air and clean water and green jobs, you know, and and that's the truth of the matter. Uh, we do need to protect our planet. Uh, we do need to plan for the future. We do need to uh, think about mm-hmm. what we do and how it's going to affect the generations that come from behind us. So, uh, you know, that's why I really think it passed is because it, it was we're talking about the, 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 the key essentials of life, you know, the air and, and water and, um, and then green jobs, making sure everybody's got a good job. Um, the one part of the bond, I did hear the first part. I'm, I'm up here not too far from you. I'm in the middle of a gigantic field. There must be. 15,000 kids here. It's a big soccer tournament. Um, I'm in between games, so it works out. Um, <laughs> a soccer <laughs> dad. I, I, was, I was listening before. I think another key element of the, of the, of the money that's going to be given out is $500 million just for electric school buses. And there's a real want by the school system to, you know, electrify their bus fleets. It's just, it's, uh, you know, the toxic air is just terrible for the kids. Yeah, but and they're you, right there at that level. Yeah, you got you got what? Uh, uh, you know, fifteen uh, large um, uh, engine uh, diesel engines cranking away outside the school. Uh, you know, and, and on winter days idling. Yeah, it's just yeah. not it's just not particularly good. And uh, and I was talking. We were talking with Tom about um, some of the things we might apply the money for. Um, yeah. Is this is, is this a, would the county apply also, or would this just be local? Yes. Well, tell no. us what do you want? What do you want from that money, Peter? <laughs> tell you the big one is is our sewage system um you know we have uh, mike kaplowitz uh was hired by uh, county executive latimer to uh you know work on the consolidation or work on our sewer systems and uh especially the down down county portion from uh you know yonkers mount vernon and new rochelle and and, and really mount vernon uh, really needs help another key component of this bond act is that um some 40% of the money, total money, not just any one bucket, has to go towards, uh, you know, environmental justice issues. And, and we certainly have them here in, 
in our cities, uh, you know, Peekskill, right. uh, Porchester, you know, and across and, the and, bottom half. And Mamaroneck, you know, uh, um, Mayor, Mayor, tell us, tell us what environmental justice means. Tell the audience. Well, you know what? We, we, we have uh, situations in Mamaroneck where, like, uh, we have trash transfer stations that really abut uh, residential areas. And at some time of the year, especially in the summer, uh, it, it's really putrid. And, uh, you know, and, and of course, it, it is, you know, uh, abutting the areas where the people have less means and, uh, you know, they were situated there. Uh, and, and, you know, now we have, uh, you know, reports of folks uh, getting sick and, you know, it's kind of like a, a cluster of people. So, you know, it, it's not just the big cities. You know, we, a lot of these small communities, too, like Mamaroneck and Portchester, uh, have had, you know, industry and uh, businesses uh, foisted upon them uh, that uh, don't really, you know, benefit the health of the residents around it. And uh, so we look for the we look for uh, solutions uh, to that. One of the things uh, that um, that that uh, was on the ballot uh, in this past election, we're talking about uh, uh, from our perspective, from this this uh, environmentalist perspective, perspective, positive uh, changes was uh, here in Rockland County. There was a um, proposal for the town of uh, Stony Point to sell, um, George, how many acres? What was it? Uh, 32 acres uh, at, uh, yeah, these were facilities that were state-owned rehabilitation centers. Uh, yeah, like and, an old an old uh, hospital. And old, we bought yeah. it, right, we bought Let's it in work. Havistra, yeah. the town of Havistra and Stony Point took portions of it. So this is property that, yeah, this is a, a, a vast campus with a, with old brick buildings and, and stone. Kinda, yeah, actually a little, stone. A little spooky yeah. looking, but it's 32 acres and they, yeah. and they, they own it. Um, so uh, we got Ed Julian on the line Greg. here. I'm just, Greg Julian. Is Greg. he on the line? Yeah, Greg is on the line. Yeah, no. great. Uh, Greg, how are you? Doing well. Okay, and Greg, yeah, Greg has been involved in this also. And I, so I want to ask Greg, um, now that, that, that they were going to sell it for high-density uh, housing, and, and I guess the kind of probably high-end housing mm-hmm. that we've, we see a lot of the, that mm-hmm. you guys have all seen. So um, that got rejected by 70% of the vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the question is, uh, A, what do you do with it now? Mm-hmm. And B, let me ask you, you gentlemen from the other side of the river, uh, you know, what could you guys do with 32, <laughs> 32 acres mm-hmm. of property that, you know, you could do whatever you want with? So let me, uh, let's, let's start with, uh, with Greg. Hi, I'm also here with um, Anita Centron and Walter Centron and Joyce Drillin, who also are um, part of Stony Point United. Um, we, uh, this has been a, pr- a long-term process. I mean, we, we, this is the second iteration of uh, a referendum on this property. Um, it has been our objective. Uh, we don't have a, uh, we don't have a secret plan. We don't have, a, you know, a horse in the race. What we really have tried to do is look historically at how we obtained that land, and we bought it from uh, the state ostensibly to increase the ability for our town to have recreational opportunities. Um, we took out uh, a $24 million bond, built a golf course, um, and a golf course which was going to be sold last year. Uh, the first uh, rejection of this proposal kept the golf course, and the golf course is making record profits, and it is a source of equity. Well, Greg, Greg so let me... Let me let what me, we think to do at yeah. this point, we're thinking, is the first step. 
But now, now, now that we see that we've got climate changes upon us, that we've got existential issues happening, mm-hmm. um, there must be some something we can use that property for. And as Mayor Murphy will tell you, <laughs> well, what do I have in mind, uh, uh, Tom? Uh, I believe Mr. Young's thoughts are streaming to uh, energy generation. For yeah, solar. So, solar arrays, and 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 that, that sort of thing, and then and and maybe maybe some uh, some mixed use, and maybe maybe some affordable housing, and by affordable we mean accessible housing that that regular people can afford, and not luxury, uh, super expensive housing. Um, uh, have you given any thought to that kind of thing? Well, in fact, we did. Uh, we did that the first time we gathered as a group and uh, opposed New Planet Energy on the former K-Freeze uh, uh, Superfund site. Um, we had the second or first largest, it was Love Canal and, and, and uh, K-Freeze as one and two of the uh, Superfund site in New York State. We brought an eminent uh, gr- a guy who did... Um, Solar and grays gray on, on brownfields, uh, and he put forward a proposal um, because ultimately the land was abused by uh, Noble Dynamite, who owned the land, and we were proposing to um, take that land instead of putting an unproven um, technology in it mm-hmm. to put uh, solar fields. So this solar fields have always been a obvious. Uh, answer to land that has been uh, abused uh-huh. a little bit different with Letchworth because the land is not abused uh-huh. what is abused is the um, buildings from lack of uh, repair which yeah. all the town boards uh, are guilty of and should be you know held accountable to for uh-huh. uh, but but it so, gets it gets sunlight right and you could generate electricity oh, well, there it, 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 yes absolutely yeah. and, and again going over the the um, solar projects, um, there are ways in which we, the town people could directly uh, benefit from a reduction in energy, all the town people. Uh, and that was what we were trying to do as an alternative to uh, um, the new planet energy. Here we're looking for, you know, the, I, I, we don't know why people voted, but to literally 70% of the people voted against the sale. Mm-hmm. And I think we went found a multiple reasons, uh, many of which are, you know, we, we, we just obtained that land. We just paid off a bond. So what we want to do is go back to the people uh, and we're going to uh, launch a um, okay. high energy effort to bring people from Sony Point together and really create a dialogue, use the experts that are available. I'm gonna put a plug in for my university, Pace University, All right. <laughs> University Law School, which has um, been a leader in the field of the land use. Yeah. That works with Yale and, and teaches That's a ra- people how to use their land. Right, Randy McLaughlin over there, right? He's a, uh, exactly. Okay, so uh, um, 
th- yes, this is a this is an opportunity. In other words, so I mean, in the past, it may have been an asset you could sell or dispose of, and just uh, develop the way you develop anything else. But in the, in these troubled times, and these tough times, uh, it, it's it's perhaps an opportunity. Uh, Peter McCart, let me ask you: well, what 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 could you recommend? Uh, um, uh, George Latimer and and uh, the county legislature to do with 32 uh, available acres of land. Hmm. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 grinding my hands here together. Let's see. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing that we're looking for, and it depends on the on the space itself. You know, you, 32 acres could be 32 acres in the middle of of uh, you know Mamaroneck, and it's not going to be you know viable for kind of what I'm looking for is. We'd love to get, really get an anaerobic digestion system where we can capture capture the food scraps and all that all the organic waste and and get some um, get some power out of get electricity out of it and also keep it out of our, our incinerator. You know, trying to move as quickly as we can. Uh, it's not easy to zero waste. We we do incinerate. We have a waste energy plant over in Peekskill, um, and we'd like to try to move anything and everything out of that. Uh, the, the county we came up with a. Uh, we call it Roofstad. It's a residential food scrap transportation and disposal program. Uh, the idea was there was many municipalities that were collecting this uh, this product, uh, you know, the, the food scraps and organic material, and they were shipping it all the way up to Ulster County. And uh, we consolidated that that and, and subsidized it to the refuse disposal district. And um, and now what I'd really like to do is get an anaerobic digestion system, probably a public-private partnership. Uh, you really don't even need 32 acres, uh, but, you know, you could put solar panels over the parking lot that you would use for the facility or, or solar panels on top of the roof. But there you go. A lot of options that's my there. Little baby. So, I think, yeah. I think the important thing here, and Greg uh, and others representing uh, Stony Point United, uh, we're able to do is not let the town make these decisions in isolation and just say to the public, here, vote on it. Uh, this was obviously the last, there's two versions we were talking about, last year's version plan and this year's version plan, but there was not a lot of, of details provided to the public, and the public says, we own this property, we want to have a say-so in what the future of the property is. So the idea of taking it away from the town's control and saying, look, the public wants to have input on this, and you've not let us have public input so far. So we're not necessarily here to tell you the answers. I mean, what Peter's talking about is, you know, you need truck traffic, for example, where this is located. Location is important, too, of course. Uh, the 32 acres is located along the Palisades Parkway, which doesn't have access to truck traffic. So there's unique, always uniqueness in uh, not just the number of acres, but where it's located. But we want to have a, a brainstorming session. We want the public to, to engage in this process and, 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 and be able to be participants in what the future of a town-owned property will be, not just sell it off, in this case, for what really amounted to a, a real estate deal to sell for high-density $600,000, town. Houses. Now, we have a, a caller, a lawyer on the line here who uh, is conversant. Michael Dietrich. Yeah, okay, let, let, let's get him on. Hello, Michael. Yes, hi, George. How are you doing? And, and hi, Lou. Uh, hi, hi. Yes, yeah, so for anybody that is not aware of who I am, people know me in town. I'm a local lawyer here, and I helped uh, Greg uh, fight the, um, the prior uh, bond ref- referendum that was going to sell the golf course. So um, the, the discussion, what I think is most... There are two things that are very important. One is I think people need to get politically involved at the local level because democracy is how we work here in America. And, and we need people to get involved so that if the government is, local government is not doing its best, we change the government. And, and so that's the point one. Point two, 
with, with regard to what you're talking about, I think what we need is uh, people to get elected in, to, into office that want to make principled, uh, act, take principled actions, uh, principled approaches to these issues. So in that regard, I have a few points. One is we have in New York uh, land use requirements that are, that are part of our state law and also environmental requirements, uh, uh, seeker and, and all the laws connected with you know, uh, land use subdivision development, all those types of things. So as the mayor would probably agree, one of the first things we have to look at is, is property, you know, how is it zoned, what are permissible uses, and uh, if you have other ideas, should the land use laws be changed? So that's one topic. Mm -hmm. uh, and as to that topic, in, in the town of Stony Point, what I have proposed uh, is that we update the master plan and take a look at uh, this um, property here, which is located in the center of our town. To those of uh, listeners who are not from Stony Point, this land is located right in the middle of the town where we have Harriman Park, the largest park in southern New York, to our west. We have what I consider the most beautiful portion of the Hudson River to our east. We have Bear Mountain and West Point to our north, and we have New York City to our south. So, you know, I think a big question is what is the best or what are the possible best land uses for land located where that land is yeah. located? Yeah, the second thing is go uh, and, and have the local government request in a transparent fashion, advertise to the, the whole world, and, and get private sector ideas uh, for that might be uh, uh, great ideas for the development of this property. So instead of just somebody coming to the town, oh, here's our idea, the town should be advertising to the world, we have this land, give us some ideas. We're in a post-pandemic year now. We have a lot more uh, telecommuting uh, and a lot of different things happening mm -hmm. so there could be some people with some really good ideas of what could be used for this land um, that, that's that i mean that's uh, amazing that you uh, that you you have this opportunity and and these are opportunities and i'm sure um, uh, I'm sure uh, Mayor Murphy there is uh, not salivating, but uh, uh, <laughs> understanding that uh, opportunity. What do, what do you think, Tom? Well, yeah, it sounds like a, a, a real opportunity. <laughs> I, I, uh, I wish that we had 33 acres. Well, we got a, We have a we have a, a, a capped landfill. We got about what seven acres that we're gonna that we're gonna figure out what to do with. Uh, so uh, that's uh, that's that's something. But everybody's got. I mean, these are all. Um, the problems that we want to apply to these opportunities. In any event, we're coming up on the bottom of the hour here, and we've got uh, coming up uh, Doug McKeague, who is the uh, climate capitalist, uh, and that's going to be as interesting as it sounds, and, 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 uh, and we're going to uh, run some ideas past him. I think we'll be saying goodbye to him, Mayor Tom Murphy and uh, Peter McCart, and, um, uh, and uh, thank you guys for, for, for calling in. We really do appreciate it. Peter McCart is the uh, conservation director and, and, uh, and sustainability director at uh, Westchester. Yeah. Thank okay. you, Tom, okay. and I look okay. forward to uh, seeing okay. you all soon. And Lou, I'll see you next okay. Friday, right? All right. Thank you. All right. All right. All right. Uh, all right, guys. Take care. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. We still have Greg on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, all right. So uh, uh, this, this, these properties are unique in that these are very 
beautiful old stone buildings, but they've not been maintained, as Greg mentioned. And uh, the question also is how might they either be reused or replaced in some cases if necessary. But the town has to be involved in a conversation about this. It's not just a matter of advertising this to outside developers and having them come in and say what they think it should be built there. I think this has to come from the people in the town. Greg, you agree with that? We lost Greg. That's what I was oh, trying to say. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, Greg, okay. If he were here, he I'm would, sure he'd If he was agree. on, he would agree with this. Yeah. I'll speak for Greg. Yes, you're absolutely right there. Um, absolutely correct. And, you know, um, the, the, the Stony Point United did a permissive referendum, which brought the power back to the people to vote on this last year. And this year, the town voluntarily did a vote claiming they were giving the people a choice to vote on something, but didn't give us the details of the plan. So many open holes in it. So it wasn't really a vote on any kind of plan that was that was uh, defined and also left it open for uh, changes after the fact. And, and people were not comfortable with that approach uh, by the town. Greg is Greg is back on. OK. All right. Well, welcome we, back. Greg. We're, try, we're trying to get Doug McKee on. He's on. Oh, Doug. OK, great. <laughs> you know, I'm going to I'm going to share a secret with you. We only got, we, how many lines do we have? Four. We have four lines, so we, we used them all, and now then uh, people were calling in and getting a busy signal. So that's, that's, the, that's a good problem to have. All right, thanks a lot. So anyway, um, uh, let's, uh, uh, let's, get, let's tell you who we got here now. The climate capitalist is on the line, and this is a, this is a guy, Doug McKee, uh, who um, believes that uh, capitalism can be the answer out of our, our climate coming climate catastrophe. The man loves alliteration. That's me, all right? Coming climate catastrophe. And, uh, and uh, Doug has a, a website, a um, podcast, and a, a point of view. And Doug, welcome to the show. How are you? Thanks, Lou. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So, um, you know, I'm looking here uh, at your website, and you say, hey, utilities do better. And, um, you know, right now uh, we've got uh, Orange and Rockland here where we're broadcasting from, which is a wholly owned subsidiary of uh, Con Edison, and you've got other various uh, utility companies, and they all tell us that they're doing all this this green stuff, but... Uh, uh, you've said that they haven't done as well as they could have, as soon as they should have, and uh, maybe they're coming around. Uh, what's the reality check on that? Well, Lou, you know, my focus is more on the recalcitrant utilities uh, in the southeast uh, and middle, uh, middle, middle west uh, and the mountain states, uh, uh, you know, more, more of the red states than, um, uh, you know, New York. Uh, and uh, the Northeast, where, uh, you know, the politics hasn't gotten in the way for for the companies and for the states which control the utilities through the Public Service Commission to say, okay, you know, we have to have a path to net zero. Um, And you have to start, you know, there are basic five, basically five, uh, categories where you get emissions. You get them from the electrical grid, you get them from vehicles, uh, from industry, buildings, and agriculture. <clears throat> and they, you know, depending on where you are, each one of them is about a fifth or more. Mm-hmm. So, so we run the United States uh, electricity on, uh, historically it was all coal, uh, then we added a lot of nuclear, and then we added in a lot of natural gas when it got to be very cheap. 
relative to coal, and we've been starting to build solar and wind and batteries uh, over the last uh, five or ten years. Uh, and uh, the path to net zero starts ultimately with having a clean energy electric grid, which then you can use to run vehicles uh, through charging stations. The the next categories are much more difficult. Buildings, um, uh, we have a housing and building stock in America, and mm -hmm. you just don't rip it down and rebuild it to be super efficient. You have to retrofit. It just takes a long time to deal with buildings. and in industry, we don't even have a lot of the solutions yet. How do you make steel, copper, aluminum, cement, uh, and other products, plastic, uh, without emissions? It's not really you know, wholly feasible. So you start, you know, with the low hanging fruit and that's the electric grid, which should should be easy because uh, these are, you know, for the most part, they're monopolies mm -hmm. uh, and they're regulated by the states and the states can say to them, okay, you know, get going, let's do it. And, uh, and or you could have the federal government do it. And that was part of Build Back Better. Uh, the bill that mm -hmm. did not pass. And Joe Manchin said, you know, I'll, I'll do something on climate. We were all surprised when he finally did, but he said he would, but I'm not going to do anything to hurt the coal companies and the coal-fired power plants. Mm -hmm. So we didn't get it at the federal level. It, it now, you know, falls to the states mm -hmm. uh, to, to, to uh, execute, to get us to a clean grid. Mm -hmm. And New York and Massachusetts and Connecticut, you know, those are, as examples, they're, they're working really hard at it. They, for example, uh, we're, we're building a big cable that comes down Lake Champlain, down the Hudson River from Canada, that's going to carry a gigawatt or more of uh, hydro, which is clean energy. There are repercussions on hydro up in Canada, but uh, one gigawatt of clean energy coming into Queens, New York is a huge, you know, that's a good, good uh, outcome. Yeah, there's uh, concerns about how they're, the chippy, uh, how the they're line, right? The, yeah. the Champlain Hudson Power Express and whether that's actually sustainable. In fact, <laughs> with the flooding of the rivers up up in uh, Canada, is that what yeah. you're talking about, Doug? Yeah, they're going to bring it. I, I'm not completely familiar with how they're going to bring the what 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 exactly the hydro uh, yeah. mm -hmm. generation looks like up in Canada, mm -hmm. and there are criticisms mm -hmm. of it. Uh, but given where we're at and uh, and the ability to get a full gigawatt. You know, New York runs on roughly, you know, on a on a fall day, maybe it uses 17 or 18 gigawatts of power. Mm -hmm. On a hot uh, day in July, New York State runs on about 31 gigawatts of power. So one gigawatt of clean power is a is a nice uh, yeah yeah a nice uh, and, and essential step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. The other. The other big area, you know, we're, we're building solar very rapidly in New York. We're working towards uh, uh, much faster permitting of solar farms. And uh, but we're also we have these deals with these Europeans to build for New York something like 10 gigawatts of offshore wind in the bite mm -hmm. between uh, New York and New Jersey. Uh, and that's just a massive project. Is that the Long Island don't fully window? understand. Yeah. Um, the uh, the story on the, the the major focus is so the U.S. Uh, gen generates about 4.8 billion tons of uh, emissions. We used to do about six billion tons for the U.S. Uh, and the only reason we came down a full you know 
10, 10 uh, full billion tons is because we took uh, and shut down uh, roughly a third to a half of the coal fired electric generating plants across the country. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll tell you uh, just a, a anecdotal experience that I had when I, uh, a few years ago, I, I drove cross country uh, because I always wanted to. And, and I drove across uh, Wisconsin, I think it was Wisconsin, and uh, they, uh, and into North, uh, uh, into South Dakota, where, um, uh, that's where, uh, Mount Rushmore is right, South mm-hmm. Dakota. Yeah, so that's the day. Yeah, so I, I was driving over to, toward toward that, and uh, I there was a, a stretch there where it was just hours of nothing but but uh, but windmills, you know, oh. churning, just just fields and as far as you could see in both directions, and it, and and it encouraged me. And then I, I went to Mount Rushmore, then I I cut south, and I was going south into Wyoming, and it was just all this beautiful open space and sky and all that and then uh, as uh, the evening uh, descended I came uh, upon Cheyenne Wyoming and Cheyenne Wyoming had uh, this 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 uh, you know red glow from the uh, sodium vapor lights and this fog of, of coal smoke around because it has a, a it had a, was obviously a coal-fired coal plant. power plant right there in the middle of all this pristine uh, plain and, and and I said well why would they do this mm. you know and you could see you could see the difference and uh, you know and uh, uh, it's 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 evident I mean and, and if everybody had continued to burn coal everything would look like that so that's yeah, well the first the first coal fire powered plan in the in the history of mankind was Tom Edison in uh, Manhattan in 1887 yeah we've uh, come a long way from then yeah uh, but but coal produces twice as much emissions as as does natural gas uh, and it's not cheap you got to go blow up you know blow up a mountaintop to get it then you got to ship it often on rail or ships uh, and then, and then, and then, after you burn it, you have coal ash, mm-hmm. and you got to get rid of that. Mm-hmm. And you have to scrub, do all the scrubbing uh, to uh, at the smokestack because it produces massive toxic pollutants mm-hmm. uh, beyond just CO2. Uh, the Clean Air Act did a lot of work to uh, cut the emissions from coal plants, so it's become actually more expensive to just run a coal plant that you've already built. Uh, of the and it is to go out and build solar and wind. Yeah, uh, a lot cheaper. You know, when you add storage, it gets a little more complicated. But uh, so uh, so there's a you know the the most the, the largest utility in the U.S. is uh, Next Era. They run Florida Power and Light, and they're on record. You know that uh, that you can you can build solar, wind, and storage at a price that is uh, that competes with just running a, an existing coal-fired power plant but they but they um, also resisted uh allowing residents or uh, to uh, generate their power and sell it back to the utility for a long time didn't they yeah the world's not perfect right Lou? <laughs> the world is uh, oh lord the world's not perfect but that's we, a big benefit for people yeah us. yeah i mean you know they're down there in the sunshine state you know you, you see more of them lately but for a long time you never saw solar panels in the sunshine state never because there was no encouragement no to do it. Yeah. It was right. actually uh, they discouraged it. Mm-hmm. And any of it's, it, it, it's been a it's been a great year for climate in the United States mm-hmm. uh, because of the Infrastructure Act and mm-hmm. more importantly the uh, 
Inflation Reduction Act. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so so we. Um, uh, I just want to remind our viewers, you're listening to Tough Times with Lou Young on WRCR, WRCR.com. Uh, we had uh, been speaking uh, at the top of the hour with uh, Mayor Tom Murphy from Maranek. I think he's uh, he's gone gone back to Maranek now. <laughs> and Peter McCarthy, uh, uh, the sustainability director, director yeah. for Westchester County. And uh, uh, Greg Julian is still with us, right? Yes. Greg? Okay. That's right. Oh, good, good. And uh, Michael uh, Diedrich, are you still there? No, he's gone. Uh, Mike, Michael's gone. Uh, they were talking about Letchworth and, and, and Stony Point. And, um, and Doug McKeague now is, uh, is call, calling in from um, Houston, Texas. How, or, or as we say in New York, Houston, Texas. Uh-huh. <laughs> South of Houston. <laughs> South of Houston. There you go. So um, uh, that's uh, – uh, and, and we're talking about uh, the, the, the – Climate capitalism, and uh, and Doug is the climate capitalist, and the question we have is, is capitalism uh, part of the solution, or is it, or is it the problem when it comes to climate change? In in a nutshell, um, uh, I, I I think you think it's part of the solution. Well, we live in a capitalist world. We're not going back on that. That's you know, mm-hmm. uh, we're uh, that's just how the system works. Um, but we've been we've made adjustments to capitalism, you know, many many times. We do it all the time with regulation and taxation policies, and um, uh, it's it's just how the world is hardwired. That isn't going to change. So either you make capitalism work, you know, for a clean climate, and it's not hard to do uh, to succeed with that, or or we're just going to fail. You, we need to invest roughly a couple of trillion dollars a year, ultimately, to build out a clean energy uh, global economy. All right. The, and and so, uh, uh, you know, the the as I was going to say, the Inflation Reduction Act right. provides basically 10 years of 30 percent um, uh, discount, you know, tax credit. At just a dollar for dollar so it's a big incentive. Uh, for folks yeah. who invest in yeah. in solar, wind, and battery, yeah. who who build them, who make them and put them on the ground, people who build factories mm-hmm. that make solar panels and wind turbines uh, and or batteries and storage, and it's um, uh, the, the door is gone open. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just at a conference here in Houston earlier this week. Uh, Houston now calls itself the energy capital of the world as opposed to the oil and gas capital of the world there you go and and so uh the conference was all about you know and it was heavily attended you have a lot of oil and gas companies here a lot of utility companies were here uh all talking about uh where we're going all right so so, um uh, we want to we want to uh explore the idea that uh though that uh we need to be alert uh, and and perhaps alarmed to what's happening uh, in our climate around us. So I want you to uh, stick with us for a moment uh, here, uh, Doug, and listen to um, uh, Reverend Billy. All right, uh, we, we got a couple of minutes of him uh, talking about um, breaking the trance that consumers are in, where we don't think about what we're buying or why we're buying it. Uh, let's listen in. We'll talk on the other end of it. We also have some callers standing by who want to talk more about Letchworth. So we will do on that one. on the other side of this. Here we go. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, whatever it takes to break the trance. Driving in the car in the country, we've all done this. We whiz by a billboard, large billboard, you know, 50 feet high, 40 feet long, and it's set back in a forest 
and like big orange letters are selling us some resort in some little town in the, down the road or, or McDonald's or an abortion damnation message. And we go by at 80 miles an hour and we get the message from the middle of that forest all the rocks and trees and high points and everything's been cleared away, making this dead, empty fan shape so that the billboard can catch our eye. And I feel as I drive by sometimes almost as if the message, the shouting, the tall orange letters, they have cut down with their ballistic force. They have cut down the trees. It's the story of America, the infinitely complex body of nature up against the irreducibly simple, stupid throw weight of the sail. Now, I'd like to point out that the forest, the forest around that billboard and that fan-shaped emptiness, it can't be measured, turned into information or data. It's deeply mysterious deeply alive and in a moment it will take over everything that forest will come back and very soon it'll take the highway too. break it all up and we'll all return to the natural world we know that the immeasurable body of the earth will take us and now it is brought home to us in a special way, that vast, unknowable, natural world as it rises in tumult everywhere. The earth is in an uprising. And our reports on, on this uh, reality of this uprising uh, in body counts and wind speed and sea rise in, in feet and yards, temperature in degrees, it's, it's almost comic how incomplete that picture is. And then there's the immeasurable nature that is the human species. We are deeply mysterious. We are the Earth. We forget that. And like that forest, we're cut and burnt and bulldozed to make way for the language of the big sail. The messaging of products wraps our brains with its blunt force thousands of times a day. But we, we, we are immeasurable, infinitely complex, made of the natural world, and then used by the big old institutions. They see a profit center in us. But we can turn to Greenland, the Himalayas. We can turn to the food flying through the air, hitting the Van Gogh and the Monet. We can turn, we can turn and sing against the rapist in our way. And we can slalom through the political hate and find what is really, really happening. And suddenly we can turn and face 30,000 women singing a song in unison with emphatic self-defense gestures, with the Eiffel Tower rising behind them, with the, with the mountains of Rio rising behind them. The trance that we have been in, 
the consensual hypnosis of macho consumerism is breaking down. The radical women and the earth lovers are breaking the trance. And we are so grateful. Earth hallelujah. <laughs> Earth hallelujah. That's uh, Bill Talon, a.k.a. Reverend Billy, the church has stopped shopping. Um, Doug, what do you think? Huh? What do you think of that? The guy's a rock star. <laughs> he is. <laughs> He's got a, the Elvis hairdo. I mean, he is, he, he is a... He's amazing. He really is, and and he does a lot of that off the top of his head, which is uh, which is uh, remarkable to me. Um, I, I have a response to that. Go ahead, Greg. It's Greg. Yeah, Greg. Greg. Yeah, yeah. Please. Yeah. Um, my my response is it's very poetic, but the reality is, you know, President Biden is at the uh, COP twenty seven conference now. The world is is. Is, can speak in much more definable terms than Reverend Billy, and we've been really trying to address the crisis of climate change uh, since the Earth Summit in um, 1991. Yeah. And what I what I really want to emphasize is that motivation of having sustainable development was the driving force of why we got together and tried to stop this. Uh, blatant overdevelopment of let's work. There you go. And all this talking about environmental justice, well, this is another instance where development doesn't necessarily mean environmental justice. It really means that we have to do things in the context of what we can do, keeping the concept of sustainable development foremost in our mind. And, and that's something that we're trying to add to the dialogue. So I think we're at the cutting edge of what we're trying to do. All right, there you go. I mean, how it relates locally. Yeah, it relates, and, and, you know, so, uh, and, and some of it, you know, like uh, tossing, uh, what, what was it, can of beans or was it mashed potatoes at, uh, at, uh, at a Monet or a Tomatoes, Van Gogh? I think. <laughs> but they didn't damage the paintings. They were, um, there was glass, they hit the glass in front of it. But they get people's attention with that saying that, you know, listen, this stuff doesn't matter if we don't look at the big picture. And so I, I guess it, in a way, it, it can turn everybody into an activist a, a little bit. Or are you, are you, consider, you consider yourself an activist, uh, Greg? Greg? <laughs> um. <laughs> Because you, you know, are uh, taking yeah, action. I, I, think I, I think I'm hyperactive. There you go. Uh, we got <laughs> Dave. My hyperactivity into productive uh, uses. I there think. we go. There we go. Well, yeah, there I you go. To, we got I Dave got Evangelista to... on the line also, who uh, wants to talk about Letchworth a little bit. Go ahead, Dave. And and, and as we uh, and and listen. Um, uh, Doug, if you want to jump in and hear at any time, uh, as we talk about these other things, it's fine. Well, you know. Well, I wanted to, you know, uh, Reverend Billy. So yeah. Uh, what's really struck me this past year as we've discovered, is this power of propaganda. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, propaganda can come, you know, inside of a church. It can come on the TV channel. We've seen, you know, what, what Hitler and Goebbels were able to do. We could see what Joe McCarthy was able to do. And we saw what Donald Trump was able to do. Uh, and if you repeat something, you know, enough, enough times, and yeah. you don't have any other sources of information, then uh, you come to be, you know, captured by it. Mm -hmm. It's very hard for, you know, that's what we've learned about the human uh, psyche, right? Yeah, surprisingly, and, I can't believe it. And so uh, uh, consumerism is all about advertising. And 
uh, big companies. You know, I've written about Pepsi and Coke as an example, uh, are bombarding us day in and day out, trying to get us to buy, you know, this these products that are kind of not only just worthless, but they're bad for you, many of them, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and we saw it with cigarettes, and mm-hmm. now we see it with soda, whether it's diet soda or sugared soda. It's just horrible for you. Uh, they sell it, you know, all over the world. You know, the U.S. is, you know, consumption is, is kind of flat, but uh, they're, they're, they're having great, you know, financial success yeah. because they sell, sell it into the third world. Yeah, you know, it's and funny. I have to... Yeah. You know, I, I remember when I was in college, they said uh, there was an economics professor that said that uh, Coca-Cola was really a marketing company because the product is essentially worthless. It has no value whatsoever. Yeah. One of yeah, the things they have that, to, they, they, gotta, they move all this fluid all around the, the globe in diesel trucks. Uh, they package it in plastic that gets made of petrochemical plants that have massive emissions. And and in a third of the world, where they uh, where they sell the stuff, they don't really have garbage services. Mm. You know, much less recycling. Yeah. You know, they don't recycle anything. Yeah. In most of the world, ten percent of plastic gets recycled, uh, tops, and. Uh, so yeah. people throw it, you know, in the river, and now it's all out in the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, one of the things. So, uh, so you know, that, that's one of the other uh, topics that we were going to uh, uh, talk to you about. It was a uh, uh, Pepsi, where you were you were uh, scolding Pepsi. Right. Um, um, I, we have we have a couple of a uh, couple of themes running here, si- uh, parallel side by side. So I want to flip back, if we can, Doug. And uh, stand, stand by with us here to this uh, Letchworth yep. property mm-hmm. and, and what to do with these 32 acres. And we have uh, Dave Evangelista on the line. Uh, Dave, uh, tell us how you figure into this and what, what you're feeling on, uh, on what to do with this property that, is, uh, that some think is an opportunity for something more than just development. Well, I, I certainly thank you, gentlemen, for, for having me on. Um, I certainly think it's an opportunity. I think that was one of the uh, disconnects in this process over the last year or two. I think, and I've been one of the outspoken critics of the sale of this mass sale of it. We got to get it off our hands. It's too costly. Mm-hmm. It's it's the, the it's uh, dilapidating. Mm-hmm. You know, as Greg said, you know, we haven't put a lot of money into the property, so it's not really costing us a lot because we haven't put anything into it, uh, so to speak, other than paying off the original bond. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to bring this back local for a minute. I, I love sustainability. Uh, I know people around here were, were throwing around affordability with this particular project that just got defeated, uh, at least the concept of the project. But you know, part of the thing with this property was that uh, it was bought. Uh, it's a hundred. It's actually a hundred and George, a hundred and thirty some acres. If you had the golf course, hundred and forty acres. Right. Right. Two hundred and seventy-two. Yeah. Hundred and seventy-two. So the first attempt was to sell the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So if you go back to when the property was obtained and Greg was involved, I wasn't so involved back then, but Greg was with the you know what do we do and build a golf course and that came out of this. So it was build a golf course and renovate four or five of the buildings, at least remediate them and renovate them so they could be used. And those buildings are in use and they were in use by the town. They're used by other public uh, groups and entities. And that was all wrapped into the initial bond. Mm-hmm. And part of this misconception of, you know, it's costing so much, it's costing so much. Well, part of that bond was not the golf course. You know, that was missed last year, right? Part mm-hmm. of the bond was actually the other buildings that are being used for other public pers- purposes, right. including parks and recreation. Yeah. So, you know, the whole budgeting and accounting is kind of off tilt on this. But I think the problem, and I think this year showed it too, okay, we'll save the golf course, but let's sell everything else. 
And I think what the town is against, I think what the people are against, is this bulk sale mentality. Mm -hmm. Because when the conversation of the golf course came up, that was the biggest use, big single use. But hey, we're going to have other things here. We're going to use this for the benefit of the public. Mm-hmm. And that has never transpired. Mm-hmm. There's never been any other parks and recreation or educational facilities or anything else added to this property to mm-hmm. benefit the people of the town who paid off the $25 million bond. Right. Um, so I think that's part of the problem. Now, the solution is probably some sort of a hybrid, and it's probably not a mass sale to one entity or one builder. It's going to be a piecemeal thing with, George already said it, Mm -hmm. Greg said it, public input. What does the public want and need up here? Mm -hmm. What fits up here, and how can we generate the revenue to do those and accomplish those purposes? Mm -hmm. It may be selling parts. It may be public-private partnerships on part of them. Mm -hmm. It may be land leases on part of it to other people to to develop the property and run it for something. Clearly this area in western Stony Point, if you're not familiar with it, it borders, somebody said, George said it borders the Palisades Parkway. There is virtually no retail in this segment of town. Mm So if you're going to put anything here, if Havister is going to build on their piece, which they have a proposal, and if we're ultimately going to build something on our piece, there needs to be support services. The roads and the infrastructure don't Mm -hmm. support all these people going all the way down to 9W Mm -hmm. or all the way into Pomona. So Mm -hmm. there's going to have to be a mix of everything. Now, we've heard a lot of people throw things out, and the town kind of closed their eyes and said, we just got to get rid of it. We just got to get rid of it. I think that's the sentiment. Mm -hmm. That swayed both votes. Mm-hmm. I want to so, remind our view, uh, viewers, we want our listeners, uh, still on TV, that you're listening to WRCR AM 1700, WRCR.com. And uh, this is Tough Times with Lou Young. Uh, right before I interrupted him, that was Dave Evangelista talking about the uh, Letchworth property. And uh, that, that was... Um, the sale of which was defeated in the recent election. And uh, we have on the line also uh, Doug McKee, who is the climate capitalist. He's calling us from Houston, Texas. He's got a big uh, website, and, and he is a, uh, a person who uh, believes that uh, capitalism can be part of the uh, solution. And I think this piece of property, Doug, you'd have to agree, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of business opportunities there, aren't there? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can I can I suggest that uh, Anita Cintron, she, she was a woman who organized the people in the street. And if anybody knows what people, the voice of Stony Point, why they rejected it, uh, can we just uh, have her talk about what she okay, said? Uh, sure, sure. Let me let me let me let uh, let me let Doug finish his thoughts, and then we'll then we'll bring her on. Go ahead, Doug. I'm I'm not that familiar with the property, Lou. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, there's uh, a lot of work being done to uh, across Westchester County to come up and do smart, smart buildings and smart communities where people don't have to commute and drive as much. And uh, you know, they use golf carts to get around. The kids can get to school by walking mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. I spent a lot of time at Pace looking at land use issues when I was in law school. Went back to get a master's. Yeah. So there's a lot of good work being done across uh, Westchester and New York around, uh, you know, having climate smart communities and and, and uh, sustainable businesses and so on, uh, yeah. which uh, gets gets to our friend uh, the Reverend, right? You know, uh, let's uh, let's eat local, let's uh, you know, uh, buy buy local product produce and 
um, let's try and do things a little bit better. Yeah. Doug, we're, we're not the only community, this is George, we're not the only community facing this. I mean, where you live, I'm sure you've seen similar things where state institutions who existed for many years had to close, and those buildings are beautiful buildings, in this case, stone buildings, that the exteriors are beautiful, but the insides are, are dilapidated because they were not maintained and they have asbestos. So what I guess the town's been telling us is they're not worth saving, we gotta tear them down. And there are people who think, you know, we've already remediated uh, at least a, a, a four or five of them, and we're using them today, why can't we look at possible reuses for some of them? And, and in other words, this is not reinventing the wheel here. I think other communities have gone through similar situations where state institutions closed and, and the communities are left with buildings that they have to decide, tear them down or reuse them in some way to fit into the needs of the community. Hey, and, jo and George, while you're on that subject, the school district, the joint school district covering Haverstone and Stony Point, North Rockland, mm -hmm. did a wonderful job of doing exactly that several mm -hmm. years ago. Mm -hmm. All right, now, now who, uh, who else we have in the wings here? We have a new guest? We have Dave, that was just Dave Evangelista, and Greg is on. And uh, and uh, you uh, you have somebody, there was somebody else there? Uh, Anita Cintron. Anita Cintron. Anita, Anita Cintron, Anita. Anita, yeah. Hello, welcome, Anita. Hi, uh, listen, I'd like to give a shout-out to our volunteers who may be listening today. I had the great opportunity to uh, work with a number of people who spoke to the town residents, to our people. You know, one of the resounding messages that we got was that Stony Pointers deeply care about our community. Uh, you know, it was reported back to me from our volunteers that hundreds of people that we spoke to over a seven-day period, the message was that they didn't have the opportunity to get information about the ballot. Uh, most of them were uninformed in terms of what was going to be on the ballot. Got it. So they so thankful. So, so that's thankful. so that, that that ship has sailed. It, it failed. So what now? What now, Anita? So what now is, um, I was getting around to it, is to listen to the people. They want their voices heard. Mm -hmm. They have ideas, and they were so grateful that a number of us stood there and listened to what their mm -hmm. ideas were were you know it goes back to what dave evangelista said you know this isn't anything new but it's the multi-purpose use mm -hmm. uh, so how do we move forward it's, it's getting the people's voices heard so, so so run a couple of those ideas by me pardon run a couple of those ideas by me as, as far as that well again uh there were ideas as far as um the museums, um, the art museums could be done. Uh, people talked about the, the possibility of the solar fields. Uh, uh, again, I think with the environment, people are recognizing the fact that it's important to repurpose what's going on up there. We have wonderful structures up there, mm -hmm. and they'd like to see retail come in there. They'd like to see some housing, but they don't want to see uh, overdevelopment. Overwhelming, yeah. You know, one of the things we talked about for a long time was hotel, a hotel, because economic development's an important thing. We don't have a place for people to stay. Yeah, and, and George, yeah. I was just gonna yeah. come in with that yeah. one. You know, the hotel, 
you know, there's models across the country where there's golf course facilities. We now have a new owner running a catering and restaurant business there doing events where they need small hotel facilities. Golf courses have people, they make weekend trips and they use the hotel and they and use the restaurant, money, weddings and receptions. <laughs> yeah. Other uses, you know, that people have said or, or of need of the town, the town doesn't own its own pool facility. You know, we're subject to Viola Water or whatever their yeah. current name is. Yeah. Um, who owns the property where our town pool is. So therefore, we don't put a lot of effort and money into the pool other than just maintaining it because it's not ours. Our library, there was a referendum that was supposed to go up to build a new library. The library, it, it goes back when I was in high school, 40-some years ago, it wasn't adequate for the people in the high school to use, and we had to go to RCC or go to Spring Valley to use their libraries. The footprint of that library has not changed in that entire length of time. So all these things could be encompassed into a project that had some residential, some retail, some public use, walking paths built throughout the facility, which Stony Point, with all its parkland, doesn't have a lot of walking paths. It's kind of amazing. There are so many things that could be built into a multi-use project, but it's going to have to be done in phases. And it's going to have to have public input. And it's all, it's all inland, so it's not going to uh, flood when the uh, oceans rise. Yeah. As I tell people, <laughs> I live near the golf course. Yeah. As I tell people when they ask about the bad rains and the floods, if I get flooded, you got a problem. There's water from mid-Connecticut to Philadelphia. Yeah, right. There you go. So um, uh, um, <laughs> um, uh, looking ahead here, we want to. Uh, uh, we've been we've been flipping through the topics of the climate capitalist, and I see one of the topics is uh, uh, and and Florida. This is your global warning warming. Uh, no, war- oh, man, I messed it up. Florida, this is your global warming warning. <laughs> and um, uh, so, uh, uh, Doug, we-, we could talk about that in a moment, can't we? Are you, are you, are you, sure. Do you have time to, to hang? Sure. Okay, so I want to do that, bef- uh, and, and, I, and we, we, can, we, can, we can hash over... Uh, Ashover Letchworth a little more if you want also, but I'd also like you guys to weigh in on uh, on the uh, the future of the uh, of the Sunshine State if it has one. Because listen, I live down there, and it always struck me as being kind of like a temporary sandbar. I mean, it, it, it just didn't seem very permanent. So we want to get to that in a minute, uh, but uh, we wanted to break here uh, briefly for news from the natural world, which is a, a segment that we run, and uh, it has a lot of uh, interesting uh, top. Uh, uh, news items that uh, I'd like you if you want to listen to and talk to about and see, see what resonates uh, when we get on the other side. You, you guys okay? Uh, uh, Anita and, uh, and okay. Dave, you, uh, you, you hanging in there? I'm hanging in there. I'd like one last, oh, one last point to be made after you finish. Okay, well, uh, well, we'll do it on the other side here of the news. Well, let's, let's uh, listen here now. We've got Savitri D and news from the natural world. We'll be back in a couple of moments. Hello, welcome to News from the Natural World. I'm Savitri D. The United Nations Climate Change Conference begins in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt this week. The meeting comprises the 27th session of the Conference of the Parties and is known as COP27. Delegates traveling to Egypt for the climate summit have expressed concerns that government restrictions on public gatherings will prevent attendees from protesting. 
At COP26 in Glasgow, Scotland last year, some 100,000 people participated in a march calling for urgent action on the climate crisis, a number that would be unthinkable anywhere in Egypt, but particularly on the heavily secured Sinai Peninsula. Rules surrounding public gatherings in Egypt where mass street protests helped push out the government of President Hosni Mubarak in 2011 are so strict that demonstrations are essentially non-existent. A new native bee species with a dog-like snout has been discovered in the Perth bushland. Dr. Kit Pendergrast from the Curtin School of Molecular and Life Sciences has named the new species after her pet dog, Zephyr, after noticing a protruding part of the insect's face looks similar to a dog's snout. The Leoproctus Zephyr has a highly restricted distribution, occurring only in seven locations. Glyphosate exposure during pregnancy is linked to lower birth weights for babies. Lower birth weights are associated with multiple health problems later in life, from diabetes to heart problems. In a new study published earlier this month, the research team also found that mothers with high-risk pregnancies who had higher glyphosate levels in their urine during the first trimester were also more likely to have babies admitted to neonatal intensive care units. In an earlier study, scientists found glyphosate present in 94% of expecting mothers. Glyphosate is the most commonly used pesticide in the world. More than 200 elephants and hundreds of zebras and gnus have died in Kenya's worst drought in four decades. The crisis has affected nearly half of Kenya's regions and at least 4 million out of its 50 million people. Four consecutive rainy seasons have failed in Kenya, Somalia, and Ethiopia and millions across the Horn of Africa have been driven into extreme hunger. More than 1.5 million cattle have died in Kenya alone. Five popular tampon brands, including two advertised as organic, have detectable levels of fluorine, an indicator of the group of chemicals known as PFAS. Fluorine is a strong indicator of forever chemicals, which have been linked to everything from cancer to birth defects to lower vaccine effectiveness. PFAS are just one of the possible harmful pollutants in tampons, as previous studies have found endocrine-disrupting chemicals like phthalates and bisphenol A, commonly known as BPA, in tampons. PFAS have also been found in dental floss. Across the United States, birth weights have declined as rates of natural gas production have increased. While previous studies linked increases in fracking and natural gas production to lower birth weights in high-producing states like Texas and Pennsylvania, this is the first to examine associations across all states where extraction occurs. The study found that every 10% increase in natural gas development in U.S. counties is associated with a corresponding decrease in average birth weight of 1.48 grams. Among women of color, the impact was more significant. With every 10% increase in natural gas production, Asian babies' average birth weight decreased by 2.76 grams, and black babies' average birth weight decreased by 10.19 grams. Racially segregated communities in the United States are exposed to airborne toxic metals at a rate that's nearly 10 times higher than more integrated areas. Highly segregated locations were exposed to two times the degree of total air pollution of well-integrated communities. It has long been known that communities of colors bear a disproportionate burden of pollution, but this study puts a finer point on it, documenting that people in segregated communities breathe much higher levels of certain toxic heavy metals. In highly segregated counties, the average mass proportion of all fine particulate metals associated with human-caused emissions was 3 to 12 times higher. 
Toxic particulate metal concentrations from human activities were on average 30 to 70% higher in highly segregated counties than moderately segregated counties and 5 to 20 times higher in highly segregated counties compared with well-integrated counties. The study also found that the mean concentrations of lead in highly segregated counties were five times higher than in well-integrated ones. Lead has been known to cause brain and kidney damage as well as to harm unborn children during periods of long-term exposure. Iron was also three times more prevalent in highly segregated counties than well-integrated ones. If you put the world's fences end to end, they would stretch at least as far as the distance between the earth and the sun much farther than the length of the world's combined roads. And they're proliferating very rapidly, with new fences added much more frequently than old ones deteriorate or are taken down. One dose of a monoclonal antibody drug safely protected healthy, non-pregnant adults from malaria infection during an intense six-month malaria season in Mali. The antibody was up to 88.2% effective at preventing infection over a 24-week period, demonstrating for the first time that a monoclonal antibody can prevent malaria infection in an endemic region. Coffee inhibits COVID infection in the laboratory. An international team has found that the chemical compound chlorogenic acid, which is found in coffee, inhibits by a factor of 50 the interaction between the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein of the coronavirus and the ACE2 receptor, the docking site for the virus on the human cell. A regular cup of filter coffee contains about 100 milligrams of chlorogenic acid. Experiments in the laboratory showed the chlorogenic acid in this concentration is high enough to prevent the docking of the spike protein to the ACE2 receptor and therefore also inhibit the infection process. On January 15, 2022, Hunga Tonga, Hunga Haape, a submarine volcano in the Tongan archipelago in the southern Pacific Ocean violently erupted. The explosion was one of the most powerful ever observed, sending shockwaves around the world and triggering devastating tsunamis that left thousands homeless. A towering column of ash and water was ejected into the atmosphere. Using images captured by satellites, researchers have confirmed that the eruption produced the highest ever recorded volcanic plume. The colossal eruption is also the first to have been directly observed to have broken through to the mesosphere layer of the atmosphere. And now, the sounds of extinction. A new species of owl has just been described from Principe Island, part of the Democratic Republic of Sao Tome and Principe in Central Africa. Scientists were first able to confirm its presence in 2016, although testimonies from local people suggesting its existence could be traced back as far as 1928. The bird is now officially known as the Principe Scops Owl. The Principe scops owl is found only in the remaining old-growth native forest of Principe in the uninhabited southern part of the island. There, it occupies an area of about 15 square kilometers, apparently due to a preference for lower elevations. In this small area, about four times the size of New York City's Central Park, the densities of the owl are relatively high, with the population estimated at around 1,000 to 1,500 individuals. Because all individuals of the species occur in this single and very small location, of which a part will soon be affected by the construction of a small hydroelectric dam, researchers have proposed that the species should be classified as critically endangered, the highest threat level on the international red list. 
and here the very first and only recording of the Principe Scops Owl. There you go. The only recording of that particular owl. So, uh, you know, Doug, anything there strike you? Uh, any news bulletin that uh, that uh, sent your antenna up? Well, uh, when I when I you know the the concept for doing this newsletter, we try and keep it to five hundred words and yeah. and and make it uh, <laughs> uh, accessible and sort of important to daily life yeah and uh and so you know we write a piece about florida because people go to florida um and uh but we try not to do the parade of horribles yeah that, that, that's that, uh, there's a little you, you get accused of being a doomer I've, I've been called that before and uh I, I worked in and made a good living as a lawyer and i worked yeah. on wall street and i i just felt when i when i uh when I started to dig in on climate, that uh, that the facts are very straightforward, the science is straightforward, and yet I felt that a lot of people, you know, on Wall Street uh, and in the financial world where I was spending a lot of time, really had no idea, you know, what the magnitude of this is, and that it's inevitable. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of a given for for what I do, um, and uh, that goes to the Florida issue a little bit because. The sea levels are rising. They're rising, you know, uh, twice as fast now as they did, say, 50, 60 years ago. But it's still only 0.15 inches per year. Yeah. And that could that'll likely accelerate even faster uh, as we go along here. Uh, but um, the, the point I made about Florida mainly is this hurricane vulnerability. Uh, and that um, and hurricanes intensify with warmer water mm-hmm. that they feed off of. Yeah. And it, they don't. They don't. They don't intensify with the temperature at 80, but for every degree of Fahrenheit uh, you go above, uh, you get roughly you know 10 to 15 mile an hour higher wind speeds. Mm-hmm. So, so, so when when does when does this really um, start to affect whether or not you even want to go to Florida uh, to live? In other words, uh, you go say, ah, it seems. Well, like- I think it's already happened. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I think we're, we've probably Florida's. You know kind of peaked at this point. This hurricane that came across uh, did a lot of damage. Yeah. did a lot of damage. Yeah. It was a rough, bad storm. Southeast. And it came across water that was 88, 89 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. So the same thing happened with Katrina. You know, it got into the Gulf, mm-hmm. and the Gulf water, the Gulf's fairly shallow. It gets really warm, and it's, it's three, four, five degrees warmer now than it was you know, just 10 or 15 years ago. You know, I, I used to live down there, Doug, in uh, uh, St. Petersburg in the summertime. You would, you know, uh, at, at night say, well, I'm going to go cool off in the uh, in the Gulf. And you'd walk into the water and uh, you'd have to look down to see if you were in the water because the water was the same temperature, <laughs> same temperature as the air. Uh, it was like, uh, th- this isn't going to help at all, you know. So it's, it's, it's very, very spooky. Uh, and 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 beyond that, Florida's gotten expensive. Yeah, uh, it used to be really cheap. Yeah, uh, and it's still not. You know, it's still less expensive than buying an apartment in New York City. But uh, you know, rents have you know kind of like doubled. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, it's over, it's over uh, the last couple of years. I got family and, down uh, there. I, I lived down there for ten years. Uh, it's uh, 
I've had my life dose of Florida. Let's put it that way. So um, uh, that's uh, and so I, I you know, uh, the thing that that caught me on on that newscast was uh, it had nothing to do with the climate. Was that we have more fences than we our fences are longer than our roads, uh, which uh, which I, I I don't know why that that facet that amazed me, but. Uh, if you stretched the fences out, they would go all the way to the sun, but we have more fences than roads. I don't know what that says, but uh, anyway, but I have, I'm a strange man. So, um, uh, uh, Anita uh, and Dave and Greg, uh, anything you'd like to ask Doug before we let him get back to his, uh, his uh, actual life and uh, to turn him loose here? <laughs> I just want to thank him for his facts. Uh, they're, they're very helpful when, when, when we talk about the climate that it's not uh, the Rev is kind of putting poetry out because ultimately we have to we have to teach people about the crisis, and I think it's easy to do that by facts. And I know I wrote down several, so I want to mm-hmm. want to acknowledge his information, and mm-hmm. I want to thank him for using information. Well, he's, he's at the climate capitalist, right? Uh, Doug, the climate the yeah, climate capitalist dot com. Yeah. And I'm happy to, you know, chat, you know, if, if anybody needs some help on anything, uh, give me a call. We, we deeply appreciate uh, it. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Did, have, did you ever see that uh, that show uh, uh, Bloodline? It's about, no. It was about Florida. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You, you, you know what I'm talking about, Anita? I don't want to, you know, I'm, I'm tempted to, to do the, the, the spoiler alert and tell uh, the thing at the end, but tell me not to do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. Okay, <laughs> but there's a there's a climate twist at the end. So, uh, uh, but, I, yeah. but I did I did I did want to make the point yeah. before I sign off here, Lou. This uh, Inflation Reduction Act, which is a misnomer, you know, yes. it's a climate it's a climate policy yes. act. And uh, you know, when we uh, decided to tackle air pollution and pass the Clean Air Act in 1970, we did it almost purely by regulation. Right. Mm-hmm. We went to every single source of air pollution and we tried to figure out, you know, a, a way to, to reduce it um, and and then and then impose the rule to make that reduction. Mm-hmm. And it, it took eight decades to go through all of these sources and massive amounts of litigation uh, between industries and uh, before before. Now, the air is pretty clean in the U.S. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's good, uh, but it took far too long and it was expensive and it was inefficient. So. The Democrats actually passed a oh. a capitalist uh, bill. Oh, hang on a second. Oh, I didn't tell you. Oh man. Oh, you... <laughs> oh right. Okay. There's a rule. We don't. So we don't. The, the act is not a. It, it, it's not a. Uh, it's not a regulatory. It's just. It's just filled with incentives. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and so those. And those. Those are just. You know, incentives for private capital mm-hmm. to go to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. And, I am. Um, uh, I. Uh, uh, I was joking with somebody the other day. I says, you know, they should have just called it the uh, the Universal Levitation Act or whatever. I mean, it's, it's got a, that's how much it has to do with uh, reducing inflation. You know, so. uh, and, and and it's a boon for red states, right? Um, because that's where all these factories are getting built mm-hmm. uh, to, to 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 make solar panels and new vehicles and batteries. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's a big and, investment. and the and the announcements are like coming left and right. And it's a it's a complete you know uh, the Chinese decided you know that that they would be they'd have they call a planned economy but it's 
more about industrial policy and said, look, you know, we clean energy is where we're going to go. This is they realized it 20, 30 years ago. And so they provided subsidies to support mm -hmm. these industries inside right. of China while we sat and said, you know, we'll just kind of go along for the ride. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so it's like we have an industrial policy now in the United States uh, to, to, to do this. Well, and, yeah, the, uh, the, uh, and again, um, I, I, I was listening to the pundits after the uh, last election, and uh, uh, the president, for all the flack he takes, has, uh, has done quite a job on, uh, on this actual... Mm -hmm. Actual legislation and right. um, and and getting stuff done, and uh, people it's, don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, well, it you know, it's not, it's weird. It's yeah. it, it's weird. It's like uh, you know, uh, they don't know what it really is. I don't know. I mean, it's like well, it, it, it gets back to the propaganda point, yeah. right? So you know, he doesn't say a lot, mm -hmm. Joe. Yeah. Well, you know, he's not on the airways. He's not twittering, and. Uh, he, he, he's not good at, you know, he's having trouble as a public speaker. And, Except that I think uh, maybe that's that's what, that's what we want. I mean, we don't, you know, I mean, I've, I've had enough, we've had enough daily drama and and uh, and and nonsense. Uh, you know, a guy that just I, does, I, I, does I, I, the I job is I, kind of refreshing, you know. I, I like that idea. But in reality, unless you keep hammering people with a message, they don't they, they don't, don't learn it. it. Yeah. Well, you know, th this this last yeah. Clearly, they got the message because what was supposed to be a red wave wasn't a red wave. Yeah. People got the message yeah. that there was work done and that there is a future yeah. that we can invest our hope in. Well, you know, uh, and and I think too that uh, at least both sides of the both parties are getting uh, to beginning to understand mm -hmm. that um, they don't own. Uh, every vote that their opponent doesn't ha have. In other mm -hmm. words, um, uh, they're not entitled. To it's, it. Yeah, then you're not automatically entitled to the undecided, even if the other guys are unpopular. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, that you know, so so. And voters are a lot more sophisticated than yes or no. Yes. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. And we've learned that the multi uh, issues are are people do put more than one thing in their mind. Yeah, yeah that's right. I think, and I think the um, the the progress. Uh, um, uh, the progress that the uh, the the uh, uh, opposition party was able to make um, in New York, as opposed to nationally, uh, had had more to do with the fact that New York had become a one-party state, and they just wanted to even the the playing field a little bit. But uh, or, or the two point five million dollars that Laura put in the in the last two weeks. Yeah. Into that, you know, again, it's it's even two citizens united we're not going to have a democratic society yeah yeah so uh, and that's uh, the, the anyway it's all it's it it, it, uh, it could have been the apocalypse and it wasn't so the, i guess we we live another day uh all right guys um uh that's uh hey, can, thank you doug doug you want to hang around or you or, or you or you uh, i'm going to sign off good I'm okay i, I kind of figured we were but taking we took a whole hour of your really time fun to be on the show we'll and uh and great work, Lou, and everybody else. All right. Thank, Thank you very much. Uh, Doug, enjoy the weekend. Doug McKee, the, the, the climate capitalist, folks, and, 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 and check it out. Theclimatecapitalist.com. Okay, thanks, Doug. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, um, uh, and uh, I'd, I'd highly recommend it. You're listening to WRCR, WRCR.com. Uh, the tough times with Lou Young, okay. and um, uh, we'll uh, be continuing to talk till the top of the hour. Uh, I uh, I want now to um, go back to Anita. To th
you know, I want to get back to a, to to Anita and to uh, to Dave and to Greg, uh, but I want to also uh, you know kind of cleanse our, our our mental palate a little bit with a little bit of a little bit of a reverend, a good reverend, and uh, and talk about. Um, Breaking the trance, you know, trying to re- reestablish our, our focus on what is, uh, what is uh, important, all right? Here we go. Reverend Billy in the Church of Stop Shop. On the other side. Yeah, let's see on the other side. Close. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes to break the trance. Tomato soup, the rapist in your path. Mashed potatoes flying through the air into the Monet. The food fight for the earth. And the international chant dance by the women who are liberating all of us. All of that is coming from the human side, the human side of things. Meanwhile, from the earth, we have expressions like the melting of the Himalayan mountains, the slowing down of the jet streams and the great ocean currents. Oh my God, what does that mean? The earth is saying that it's adjusting to man and that adjustment will be a whole system or all the systems changing. Scientists sitting at our tables with computer models, they're in a state of shock. Breaking the gaze of the consumer, the tourist, the passive citizen of the world. Well, those people believe that the Earth's beauty is a fixed thing, that it will always be there. The Earth is taking the oceans and mountains back, taking all those beautiful things back. And the activists break the gaze with the Earth. On the human side, the activists are breaking the gaze we have at that Van Gogh sunflowers, at that Monet lilies. Hundreds of thousands of women pouring into the plazas of capital cities are breaking our gaze at the sculpted gods and those big bronze generals on gigantic horses. The Eiffel Tower, the pillared fronts of great government buildings. These constructions are created to hold us, control us, keep us passive. And they have done that for centuries to tend to the earth. We had to break our traditional relationship with those big old institutions. And the earth made us do it. And the radical earth lovers, they made us do it. And Greenland and the Himalayas and the food flying at the Van Goghs and the Monets, they made us change. Suddenly we awake. The trance is broken. There you go. Uh, Reverend Billy, Reverend Bill Talon, and the uh, church is stop shopping, telling us to break the trance. And when he's talking about the food flying there, you'd see the, the, the climate activists were going into museums and <laughs> tossing tomato soup. Or, or I shouldn't laugh. It's probably a criminal act. It's a, yeah, but it hits, the, it hits the glass in front of the painting. It doesn't damage the painting, but they're doing it for attention, and they got attention, and they're focusing uh, us uh, on the climate and saying that, listen, that's, that's what's important. All right, guys, let's, uh, let's continue our chat. 
about this Letchworth property. Something to say. Uh, what? If I could, this is David again. And if I, I just want to, because I'm going to comment in on the climate uh, sure. uh, topic, but I, I did want to tie that back a little. And there is some element of people here who recognize that in Snowy Point, this is our last big physical asset, this 170-some acres. Yeah. And then it contains a pond that is not yet dead. A lot of ponds in this area have died from pollution and other issues. It contains wetlands, contains protected species of snapping turtles, uh, other wildlife, turkeys even live there, and it also drains its mountain and strains into a watershed. So, you know, this property has to be treated with that in mind as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I mean, and, and it's up to the, the board to set those parameters. Uh, have they? Have they set parameters? They, they, they have ignored those parameters. Yeah, to them, this is an albatross. It's, it's something they believe is costing, apparently they think it's costing millions of dollars a year to the taxpayers, when they're putting nothing into it, and it's a big hindrance and liability on the town. But for those of us who know better, you look at this as a huge asset and a huge opportunity to do something good for the community. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it depends on how you look at it. It, it does depend on how you look at it. And you have to uh, uh, realize that some of the things you consider to be um, uh, constants might be variables and vice versa, you know. I just want to point out, I think with... Uh, with uh, with Greg is Walter, who I think has some input. I think we kind of cut him off earlier, so if you want to kind of oh, maybe wh- get him okay. up. Walter, I didn't know Walter was here. Walter, uh, intro- announce yourself, Walter. Hi. Hi, this, hi, hi Lou. This is Walter Sintron. Oh, okay. I guess you're, you're, you're the other half of Anita. On the other half. That's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, just just so. a comment on, on what's next for the Letchworth property. You know, one, one comment that I do want to make is that, you know, the fact is that we kept the Patriot Hills golf course, you know, we look at, we have to look at ways to increase the revenues from the Patriot Hills golf course to cover the work that we want to get done at Letchworth. Hello. The line just dropped. Oh, we just, uh, you know what? I'll bet somebody leaned on a button or something oh. and and, uh, and and hung up by, by accident. Yeah. That, 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 uh, that might have been passing he's, he's the phone with, He's with Greg, so hopefully they'll call oh, he's, back. Oh, he's calling back. Okay. Okay. That's them right now. I'll just That's patch him right. straight through. Okay. Uh, go ahead. I like uh, pizzeria. Hello. I think we're Yeah, you guys, well, did, you, got, large. You, you, you ordered the uh, All right, anchovies? All right, so anyway, time is of the essence on your part. But, uh, you know, we've looked at the, the, the Patriot Hills revenues. And, for instance, last year the town budgeted in its 2022 budget a revenue for, of $2.1 million mm-hmm. for the golf course. Up through this October, this year, we generated two point two. Eight nine, two point two eight nine million of revenue. So we're above that budget mm-hmm. uh, that they've included. Yeah. This year we're on track to make two point four million. Uh, and and in addition, uh, in addition, another comment I want to make is that if you look at the 2023 budget, the golf course is showing that it's returning $125,000 to the town's general fund, mm-hmm. of which this has never happened before. Mm-hmm. And the town has always been properly stating that they're supporting the golf course. So the the, the generate the revenue generated by the golf course is clearly coming into the general fund now. Well, so that's, and, and that's all yeah, that, that's all good. But you know, as I as I point out to my colleagues 
on the board of trustees uh, where I'm, I'm from uh, that uh, that government is not a business. And, and I know that's a very popular thing to say, run government like a business. Well, except that that's not what we do. We provide services. So uh, sometimes you do something, and you, it's nice if you break even. It's nice if you can generate uh, uh, revenue. But if it costs you a couple of bucks, that's the price of doing business. You know, you got to you got to do do some things. So you have to, uh, you know, do you really want a golf course, whether it makes you money or not? So that's that's these are things that you have to think about. But, so. but in terms of running a government. Your comparison to a business is a good is a good comparison. Is parks and recreation uh, and those type of activities for the residents of the town is that part of running a government? Yes. Well, that's part of what's missing in the mentality of Stony Point over the last decade or two. And you know, and there are listen, there are ways around this. You you can you can you can run your parks. And you can make money on them. Uh, you can have uh, uh, you can have uh, listen pavilions that people can rent for three, four, five hundred dollars to have a uh, have a gathering there that had that has electricity and, and water and, and maybe uh, restrooms and stuff in your parks and uh, uh, and you know the license fee will will generate for funds and and the park is still open to the residents. You can do both things yeah. if you have a little bit of imagination. But, but that's not my point. So apparently the mentality here and in our budgeting system here mm-hmm. is that the cost of parks and recreations, including the public space in Letchworth, is is just a cost. It's like an expense if you were running a business and we need to cut our expenses. Right. So oh, yeah, I see. I, I see. We fail to recognize that that cost is part of running a government. Mm-hmm. And if you looked at it that way and you looked at it per household, per capita, you know, you know you're on a government. Seventy to eighty percent of your of your costs in your budget are contractual, right? You can't do anything about them, mm-hmm. right? So we're only talking about this minuscule piece of a budget. And here it's viewed as that's what's driving up taxes. Right. And you could cut a hundred percent of parks and recreation out of your budget probably and taxes will still go up or they'll at least stay steady if not go up, correct? Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, sure. And, and- Dave, I, 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 you know, we've talked about this before, but it's important that the town does a self-assessment. I'm hoping that when we work on a master plan or a comprehensive plan for our mm-hmm. town, it's not just Letchworth, but our waterfront, the fact that we're next to this uh, national uh, um, uh, site with its Tony Point Battlefield, we're down the road from West Point and Woodbury Commons. You know, we're not talking about an economic development plan that would pay both economic benefits as well as recognize the things about Stony Point that are unique that we want to protect and and uh, and nurture. So. It's sort of an, a self-assessment phase, I think, that we need to go through to understand what we have and also enact plans that are going to um, both protect them and also make the best use of them in terms of our economic development. Because I haven't heard the town talking about any of that. It's all piecemeal zoning changes. They don't want to look at the whole picture. So I think that's a big part of this. Yeah, let me, I, I'd like to make one final comment. And, and I'm going to take this comment from the uh, 2013 amendment to the 1995 master plan and, and its discussion about Letchworth Village and the Patriot Hills Golf Course. And essentially it just says the town should develop a practical vision for the future of Letchworth Village property based on the input of local stakeholders yes. in consideration of what will be tenable to local residents. And that's simply what we want to get done. And that's what's not happening. Right. Yeah, so what you're saying is you, you we're all expressing ourselves here, but nobody knows what most people really want or think or have, have ideas Coming for. Coming together. 
I mean, that's what we're not getting from the town in, in, in that case. But uh, I agree. I was on the master plan committee. You know, we bought that property, I remember, the late 90s with the idea that we, re we zoned it as specialized recreation because we knew a golf course was probably going to happen down the road. But we didn't right. want unwanted development like high-density residential and stuff. That was not part of the original plan. It was to open it up to a discussion and continue to look at the future of the property but not make those decisions for uh, that kind of usage. And, you know, just because it's economically viable now, we shouldn't be doing it now as well. So, um, uh, th where this intersects with climate, yeah, is that um, uh, the environment, the planet, has uh, limited resources, mm -hmm. and uh, we have uh, our mindset has been uh, based on unlimited growth. In other words, you got to grow your way out of mm -hmm. uh, any problems, uh, yeah. out of problems. Yeah. You've got to uh, you've got to grow to, uh, to to increase your budget. You have to get mm -hmm. bigger, you know, mm -hmm. all the time, and. Uh, in some ways, that's true, but in other ways, uh, how do you uh, how do you uh, mitigate the downside of uh, of these uh, these uh, uh, growth spurts, as we as we call them? So that's uh, that's part of what you, what you're talking about. And we live in a unique area next to Harriman State Park, as Greg pointed out, 40 miles north of New York City. I mean, sometimes I think when people live in a place for a long time, they don't necessarily see it for what it is. <laughs> you know, as somebody coming to visit might see it. Like when you go on vacation, you notice a lot of things that maybe the local people don't see. And I think it's important for us to get that view of our town and take advantage of the things about it that are unique and and uh, and can help us in the long term. You know, not the short term um, selling off of assets. So I'm, I'm hoping that's what this will lead to. Yeah. So uh, the other, the other, so anyway, let me ask each one of you um, uh, uh, about the environment, the future. I mean, are you optimistic or pessimistic? Do you think that we're uh, that we're going to figure this out or uh, are we on the on the brink of the end of days here? You know, let's uh, let's start with a uh, waterfront. Too. Yeah. Doug. No, Doug's gone. I'm sorry. Anita. Um, what do you think? I say I am always hopeful. Um, I, I do believe that uh, the human capital that we do have um, will succeed. I, I, I think if we take time and if we look at the resources that are lacking, that we can come together and we can form a plan. There are plans that are available, but sometimes we don't stop and listen. I, I, I think we need to come together um, as a community, as a nation. Um, there are solutions out there. Yeah, and get the buy-in from the community, Anita, right? I mean, thank you. Yes, the buy-in is very want that. That's very important, you know, so that we move ahead together. And even if we have to adjust our zoning to fit that buy-in of what we want for the vision for the property, uh, that's fine. It, you know, in other words, we have control over it. We own it. It's not like a private developer owns it and they're 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 uh, you know eager to build housing. We don't have to do that. And, and this is a you know for that reason it was one of the you know a bad mistake to go that way. But we have an opportunity because we don't have to sell the property tomorrow. Uh, right? I, all right, we're still talking about the property. I'm talking about the whole planet now. Yeah. Well, okay. and, and, back, and back to that question, you know, I don't know what it was locally. Greg may know locally, but voter turnout nationally was huge from the 19 to, say, 30 to 40 range. Those are the people, those are the young people who this is their future, right? So there's a positive there because they're well aware of what we've done to the environment, right. what we've done to climate change, and they are getting involved. So that, that's a good sign. I think, you know, we have to get more people involved. You know, the Inflation Reduction Act, 
uh, the climate things in there, one of the great things that people seem to be missing, I happen to be an accountant, so I, I deal a little bit with taxes. <laughs> they actually made getting the credits to be environmentally friendly easier for most people. Right, they took the credits for the autos, and they now have the dealers giving them directly at sale, as opposed to waiting and filing with your tax return. Maybe this. And this. So we need to make it easier for people to participate mm-hmm. in that change. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's doable. All right, Dave. Well, I mean, you you you're raising my uh, my spirits a little because I <laughs> I tend to be a little gloomy. You know, I I've got the uh, uh, you know the. Uh, I, I always talk that think that everything's going to be fine until the moment the lights go out, and the lights will go out at some point. And then at that point, a, uh, a clock starts to count down from some unknown number to zero. And when it gets to zero, uh, welcome, you're in a Mad Max movie, you know. And uh, uh, so uh, you know, you get the you get out the uh, the breastplate and the fur uh, loincloth. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's still a risk, Lou. There is a big risk that this country could grind to a halt. Right? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, but we need to overcome it. We need to be aware of it. Awareness is step one. I think we're you know, somewhere in step one and getting into step two, which is changes. So we just got to push it into that next step. Well, anyway, so, so the, the, um, uh, the musician that... Uh, that, that uh, Verbalizes, or I guess, verb, is verbalized. Yeah, I guess he, 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 yeah, the, he, he, he Articulate. articulates this, uh, this uh, dark vision. Uh, Gary Newman, you know him? You know the guy, the uh, synthetic uh, music artist. He, nobody, nobody does. No, no? all right, <laughs> different channel. It's, 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 you know, it's different. Anyway, I'm gonna play a song of his where he's done this. He's done this um, uh, music that uh, where he he is the Earth telling us what's going to happen next and the news is not good and then we can chat a little bit more on the back and you can bring us back up to optimism as we hit the top of the hour you guys game for that sounds like a plan okay that's the plan here we go it's gary newman when the what was it when the world what when the world comes apart when the world comes apart all right And when the sun burns 
And the climate apocalypse, Gary Newman, when the world fell apart. Is that dark enough for you guys? Well, I have to admit, there are many moments recently that I relate to those lyrics. <laughs> yeah. but, but, but I have to say, I have to hold, hold uh, strong to my core belief yes. that there is an energy of collective goodness out there. So, Matt, I will thank you and sign off. <laughs> Well, you know what? Uh, that I, I, I have been feeling a little bit more uh, um, optimistic. Optimistic, yes. Thank you for that. Optimistic uh, lately than I had, uh, um, you know. But you, you know, the answer. Why, you know, one of the things that Reverend Billy said on a prior episode, and there's a lot of times I think he goes off the rails and I have a hard time following him. But one of the things he said I think was very good about consumerism, and that is, when we face an apocalypse or a terrible situation, Americans go out and make a movie about it and sell the movie. <laughs> Instead of try to solve the problem, and that's the thing is is citizens taking uh, power of their ability to participate. This is our democracy that we were talking about, and I think one of the things that was shown with you know with citizen with Stony Point United was going out and petitioning, getting people to sign on to the petition so they could vote, they could have a voice. So these are the positive things that I look for. You know, I look for this as optimism that the public's engagement, understanding, encouraging them to participate. You know, something space has always been trying to do as well. You know that this is an important part of our country. So I think space. we have to yes, we have to. Space. <laughs> space. 
<laughs> that's right. You know, and I think that's a big part of the optimism. I think I feel, you know, that if people are willing to understand and and under, and try to understand, be, become educated voters, uh, this is where the where the hope lies, in my view. For the, yeah, uh, and, and I'd like I'd like to, and I'm going to sign off with this kind of statement. Thank yeah. you for the opportunity to participate in your show today. I appreciate oh, that. appreciate it. But uh, hoping that there's other Stony Point residents. Listen, I'm going to leave with an air of opportunity. You heard Greg say earlier, and I'll let Greg finish it. The concept, but there is going to be a mobilization. We want people involved. Please be on the lookout. Be aware. Look for opportunities going forward after our success of last year and this year with the public referendums to be part of the process because then you become part of the solution. That's right. And, and, and let's not – yeah, get by that's right, Dave. Everybody. So with that, I'm going to leave you all. Thank you again. Okay. Uh, and, thank you, David. Uh, uh, thank you, David. And, and let's also not – let's not just, uh, uh, you know, decide that well, this is my camp. I'm, I'm, I'm wearing the blue – banner i'm wearing the red banner i don't want to talk to the other folks because this is the one subject that can unite us because it's the mm-hmm. one thing that uh, you can't argue about. i mean you can you can argue about it right. but, but it affects but, us all you know but yeah. uh, but not really mm-hmm. i mean i'm not talking to anybody who, who's going to deny climate change right now i'm not even going to if somebody came on the phone and said <laughs> it's not real we would just ha- you know hang up i mean i'm you know i'm not going to argue about gravity or uh, or uh, you know things like that th- you know any right anything now. that's that's you know what, what what's gravity or uh, let me just make one final comment. Taxes, Mike, I don't know. <laughs> you go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, one Walter. My thanks to you, Lou and George, for allowing us to, to participate. And and one of the things about the Gary Newman play reminded me of David Byrne from Talking Heads. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. I just want to I just want to make a, a, a comment to anybody who's listening that if they want to stay in touch or want to find out what's going on in the future. To suddenly the Stony Point United dot net, right? And that was, the website. That was, yeah, that's that, that's, that's true. You, you do you do that. You got um, you you've got that. Uh, what is it, Stony Point? Was it Stony Pointer at Optonline dot net is our email. But you're right. Stony Stony uh, Point United dot net is their website, where they put a lot of information up about the Letchworth sales. So certainly, okay. But in terms of the future, we need to stay connected. And we also got you also got Stony Point uh, Action Committee for the Environment, right? right. Um, uh, which is uh, George's uh, organization. Yeah. You've got we're uh, working together. You, you know? got RevBilly.com, which is uh, the Church of Stop Shopping. Uh, if you were, and, and I'm telling you, it's a, they're, they're a lot of fun. They got they got some some really good musicians. Yeah. They run a, they have a, a, a service every Saturday, every Sunday, that you can you can live stream. And, and activism is a good thing. You know, it, it leads to a, a, an effort to, to try to solve problems, and I think yeah. that's important for people to realize. And if, you know, if I were if I were a younger man, I'd think it's a great place to meet chicks too. You know, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> so you know, there's always that. You know, for a rock and roll guy. There's, there's always that. And um, Will, uh, how, how, you were kind of quiet most of today, but uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't want to, you know, I don't want to step on any of the conversation. It's a lot of stuff that needs to be needs to be said and needs to be discussed, and and certainly there's a lot of strategies going about it. So I'm I'm glad we got to speak to all these people yeah. and and talk about it. and and the Letchworth property. I know you were saying a little bit off air that it doesn't really like meld that that some of it. I mean, you know, there's a lot of difference between this and like the actual fight of climate change. But I think you know proposals for something like. Uh, I think Anita suggested a solar field. Yeah. You know, they you do. Never know where it you can propose at. something Absolutely. that will affect climate change. So right. this does bleed into it. <laughs> it's and all, sustainable it's, building practices. Yeah. If we don't fix 
the climate thing, nothing else matters. You can, you, I'm just want to say you could argue about you know transgender uh, uh, transgender uh, athletes and, and whatever until you blew in the face, <laughs> but you'll be dead. So it doesn't matter what. Thank you, you guys think. for calling in. We appreciate it, and uh, all for all of our listeners as well. Okay, great. Listening. Yeah, we got uh, yeah Mayor Tom Murphy from Mariner calling in. My my good buddy, my friend, my friend Peter McCart, Westchester County uh, uh, Environmental. Uh, Director Doug uh, McKeague, uh, Greg Julian, uh, Michael Diedrich, uh, David Evangelista, Anita Cintron, uh, Walter, uh, George Patanovic, Will Hennessy, and me, Lou Young, and the Rolling Stones. All right, we'll see you next Saturday. All right, take care, guys. Bye bye.